Good morning. I'm Pastor David. It is my privilege to bring a word of God to you this morning. So let me begin with the personal story. My wife, Jem, and I are blessed to have grown up in loving families. Our parents made tremendous sacrifices to provide all that their children needed to be successful. I don't use the word all lightly. Our parents have passed away now, all of them from both sides. However, as a result of the mark of love they left on us, we continue to enjoy very deep and loving relationships with our siblings and their families. Both Jim and I have many stories to tell in support of what I am saying today. But since this morning I'm the one standing up here and speaking, I want to tell you a story from my side of the family. So up on the big screen, you will see a black and white photo of my family that was taken during my childhood years. If you're trying to guess which one is me, the smartest and the most handsome. (laughs) The one on the far right, I'm the oldest of four children in my family. This photo was taken, please leave the photo for a few minutes there. This photo was taken a year or two before my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. She died of it a few years later at the age of 38. In fact, this year marks the 50th anniversary of her passing. So I'm at least 50 years old. (laughs) So I looked at this photo a few times this year and reflected on the years gone by. My dad was 42 years old at the time of my mom's passing. And here is the thing. His decision not to remarry, but instead raise four very young children as a single dad, still 50 years later, boggles my mind. He sacrificed his sexual pleasures and companionship with the wife for the sake of his children. This he did for the next 26 years until he passed away at the age of 68. My dad's love for his children and the sacrifices he made for their sake had such an impression on me I said to myself, I want to be that kind of a dad for my children. Perhaps some of you know this, that Jim and I have two daughters, Adina, who's now married, and her husband, and they have two children, and they live in the Detroit area. And Abigail is here with us, having finished her schooling, and in the process of interviewing and finding her first job. So she will be here in the second worship service, and you can ask her how Gemini did in loving them. The point that I'm trying to make is as a result of the love our parents exhibited toward us, 
and having seen and experienced what true love looks like in the context of family. Gemma and I made a commitment to be loving parents ourselves, showing the same love to our children. You see, in the sermon this morning, which I have titled, Walk the Talk, we'll be looking at 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And as I studied this, I realized the message of these three verses is pretty much the same. And here's the message. If we say that Jesus loves us, and are truly experiencing it in our lives, then we will exhibit the same love by which we have been loved toward others. If we say that Jesus loves us and are truly experiencing it in our lives, then we will exhibit the same love by which we have been loved toward others. At the end of the day, everything comes down to how much we feel that Jesus has loved us and whether that love abides in us in such a way that we are able to love others. So if you have your Bibles, please open to 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. And if you are using the Bible that church provides, you can find that on page 1000. 303. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, on page 1303 in the Blue Bible. This is Apostle John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, writing to the church. By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we are to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? He was an old man at the time of writing, so he calls everybody little children. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed. And in truth. You see, in the first part of verse 16, we read this. By this we know love. That Jesus laid down his life for us. You see, the Apostle John presents Jesus laying down his life on the cross as the very definition of love. There's nothing else. Do you want to define what love is? then look what Jesus did on the cross. If someone asks you, explain to me what love is, you and I, do, as Christians, you and I don't have to go anyplace else but to point them to Jesus and what he did on the cross and that would define what love is. Now to help his congregation feel this love of Jesus, because sometimes we hear this word love and say, oh, okay, John Piper tells a story about a group of American prisoners 
prisoners of war during World War II. So that is in the 1940s. They were made to do hard labor in a prison camp. So each one was given a shovel, S-H-O-V-E-L, with which they would dig all day. Then in the evening they would come in and give account of their tool. One evening, 20 prisoners were lined up, so they were sent in teams with the shovel, each person with the shovel, and they would dig all day. That's a hard labor in a prison camp. So this is a team of 20 prisoners that were lined up by the guard, and the shovels were counted. So they would take account if they, if they brought all of those shovels back. And so there were 20 prisoners on this evening, and the guard quickly counted the shovels, and turned in rage on the prisoners, demanding to know which one did not bring his shovel back. Because there were only 19. No one responded. The guard took out a gun and said that he would shoot five of them if the guilty prisoner did not step forward. After a moment of silence, a 19-year-old soldier stepped forward with his head bowed down. The guard grabbed him, took him to the side, and shot him in his head, and turned to others and said, you better be more careful than this guy next time around. And with that, the guard left. So when the guard left, the 19 men counted the shovels, and it turned out there were actually 20. It turned out the guard had miscounted the number of shovels. So the boy, the 19-year soldier, was not guilty. Rather, he had given his life voluntarily for his friends. So Piper asks, can you imagine the emotions that must have filled their hearts as they knelt down over his dead body? In the five or ten seconds of silence, this, this young man had weighed his whole future in the balance. A future wife, an education, a truck, a child, a children, career, fishing with his dad. All of that he had weighed in and he chose death so that others may live. If that story grips your heart, then I hope you and I would understand what Jesus did on the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, obviously it had happened long before all of this plan had been made. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus weighed all of it in the agony of the cross and then said, I am going there. That's why it has become, the cross had become a symbol of love. And you see the Apostle John, all, again, if you look at, the, look at what happened in the, at, and at the foot of the cross, all the disciples had run away except the Apostle John. And he stood there at the cross, at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mother Mary and saw 
everything that happened that day. Every word that Jesus spoke, every agony that he went through, the blood that he shed, the, the difficulty that he had breathing for hours and hours and hours, and he saw it all. And that's why, for John, it was the very definition of love. And John Piper concludes by saying, we know the depth of someone's love for us by what it cost them. It cost this young soldier his life. It cost my dad his sexual pleasures and companionship with the wife as he endured a hard life for 26 years as he raised his four young children as a single dad. And it cost Jesus a lot more. And here it is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 6, 6 through 8. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. These verses speak for themselves. They do not require any explanation of the cost to Jesus when he went to the cross for us. Second, Piper says, we know the depth of someone's love for us by how little we deserve it. The other 19 soldiers did not deserve to live any more than the one who died. I and my siblings did not deserve that our dad at a young age would sacrifice his sexual pleasures and companionship of a wife to raise us. Similarly, we who are dead in our trespasses and sins did not deserve to have Jesus take our place. And here's what Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Third, Piper says that we know the depth of someone's love for us by the greatness of the benefits we receive in being loved. In the case of the prisoners of war, they got to live because a young soldier's sacrifice. Perhaps after the war, these 19 soldiers had got married, had children, had their career, bought a new truck, and went fishing with their family members, all of which the young soldier did not get to do. In the case of me and my siblings, that sacrifice produced remarkably successful children. Among, our, among the four children, we have two PhDs, two, two have master's degrees, two are pastors, and one rose to the number two position in the banking industry before he took an early retirement to become the CEO of World Vision Microloan Program in Sri Lanka. More importantly, all four of us are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what benefits do we get as a result of Jesus' death on the cross? 
Bible, of course, presents many. But let's look at one. Here is one John. First John, chapter 3, verse 1. See how great is the love of the Father. It's the love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. So we are. Fourth, Piper says, we know the depth of someone's love for us by the freedom with which they love us. No one forced a 19-year-old soldier to step forward. He did it on his own. No one forced my dad to remain single and raise four children, young children. He did it in, on his own. The same is true of Jesus. Nobody forced him. And here it is, John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. Jesus says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down on my own accord. I have authority laid down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Have you experienced this kind of love from Jesus? Is that love abiding in you today? If so, says the Apostle John, we would lay down our lives for others. And look with me to the second half of verse 16. Again, having said, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And then John says, and we are to lay down our lives for the brothers. Having experienced the love of Jesus, and if that love were to abide in us, then we lay down our lives for others. See, it is true that Jesus literally laid down his life for our salvation, which you and I cannot do. So then the question is, how do we lay down my life for others? And here's where the original language of the Bible in, in which the New Testament is written, which is Greek, if you, dig a little, if you dig a little bit deeper, we will find out exactly what's being said. In fact, it turns out the Greek word that is translated lay down may also be translated as lay aside, inconvenience, or hazard. Now that puts a different twist, doesn't it? So here is how I would translate 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love. That Jesus literally laid down his life for us. No question. And we are to lay aside our inconvenience or hazard our lives for the brothers. We are called to lay aside inconvenience and hazard our lives for the sake of others. 
And the obvious question is how? How do we lay aside inconvenience or hazard our lives for the sake of others? The Apostle John provides the answers in the following verses. Verses 17 through 18. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You may notice on the screen that I have underlined several words there. And so let's look at them as we answer the question, how do we lay aside inconvenience or hazard our lives for the sake of others? First look at the, at the words, goods and need. Goods and needs. And we find that in verse 17. It says, if anyone has worse goods and sees his brother in need, and the goods means resources that are needed to sustain life. So, people of God who are loved by Jesus, whose love abides in them, if they have the goods, the, the resources that are needed to sustain life, and see someone else who lacks the necessities of life, then we are willing to inconvenience, lay aside, and hazard our lives to meet those needs. Now, many times, preachers and teachers are focused on material needs. But as I studied this, this particular passage, I found no reason to limit to material needs only. It doesn't say that. Now, somebody might argue by saying, well, it talks about world's goods, and therefore it should be material. But you know, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and those who live in it. In other words, everything regardless of a particular source, came from the secular segment of the world or the sacred segment of the world, they are gods. Gods have given those to us. God has revealed those to us. That's why we Christians seek medical help when we need medical help. We don't say, well, that's secular. We don't want it. We don't do that. All truth is God's truth. Everything that's in the world is God's. And it is God's grace that has revealed these two things to us so that we have all of these advances, whether it happens to be in medicine or engineering or business or whatever, they're all God's truth. Therefore, I am with Steve Colbert and Brian Fickett who wrote this book called When Helping Hurts. And in it they say, if people in need lack knowledge, 
Educate them. If people in need are oppressed by powerful people, then work for social justice. If people in need are struggling with personal sins, sex and drugs and all kinds of different things, then evangelize and disciple them. And if the people in need like material resources, then give them material resources. So as I went through all four of those, what do you have? Do you have material resources? Do you have Jesus and the gospel and therefore you could evangelize and disciple? Do you have a passion for social justice issues? Do you have a background in education and therefore you can use that to educate people? That's what it's all about. Second, let's look at the word see. And here it is, verse 17 again. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need. In other words, in order to lay, lay aside inconvenience or hazard our lives for the sake of others, we need to put ourselves in situations where we can actually see the needs. Now, seeing is much more than hearing. For example, hearing a sermon like this on the needs around us. It is much more than going to a Sunday school class and learning about the needs around us. It is much more than reading a book to find out about the needs around us. I, I, again, I'm not against hearing or learning or reading. But seeing is about placing ourselves in situations where we can actually see with our very own eyes the needs of others. This is why here at Midland Free we do short-term mission trips. Like the love local mission trip that Amy Nestle talked about earlier. This is why we do Royal Family Kids Camp that you will hear from Rich Clark after and they're following the sermon because you could actually go and directly see the kids who are suffering, who are in foster care, who are abused. We get to touch them and we get to see them firsthand as opposed to hearing about them. Now, this Thursday, by the way, there's an event for women at North Midland Family Center. And there are about 30 women that are going from this church, and they are looking for more. And if you really want to go and see the people who are living in poverty here in Midland County, go and see. Here's an opportunity. It is this Thursday. And if you'd like to go and see, your, see for yourself, Again, if, 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 you, if you say to yourself that Christ loves me and his love abides in me, go and see the need of someone else. Third, the word hot. And again, you find that in verse 17. It says, but if anyone sees, has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet he closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 
You know, nowadays we kind of attribute the feelings and emotions to the heart. It's on the left side. But that's not the way Bible speaks of the heart. In fact, but the Bible speaks of the heart at the center of our intellectual, emotional, moral, and volitional life. All of it. We think with our heart. We feel in our heart. Our spiritual and moral compass compass lie in our heart. And we make decisions to act with our heart. That's the biblical view of the heart. Not just emotions and feelings. So the idea here is that having seen the needs around us, we open our hearts to think about those needs with our heart. We, we feel and be emotionally moved by those needs in our heart. Weigh those thoughts and emotions according to a moral and spiritual comp- compass in our heart. And then make decisions to act and do something about those needs. To quote Bob Pierce, the former president of World Vision, let your heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And the fourth set of words that I want to look at is actually found in verse 18, the last, very last verse here. And it is about word or talk, and it's contrasted with deed and truth. Verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Again, the apostle is not against word or talk. Let's say somebody is sick, it's good to send them an email or a card, saying some nice words, praying for you, it's good, it's good. Oh, there's a death in the family. Send them a card. Sympathizing, empathizing, acknowledging their grief. All of that is good. But the Apostle John also wants us to follow through on our talk, on our word, with real action. Deed means... Spirit, practical expressions of heart through our work and action. By the way, the truth means truthfulness. That is helping people with right motives. Not to coerce them or manipulate them. Which is what, by the way, the people who are involved in sex trafficking do. They tell you, I have a job for you. Or I'm going to make you great. You know, come with me and this and that. And then once you go there, you are done. You're a sex slave. That's coercion and that is manipulation. That's not what this is about. We do it with the right motive. The love of Christ that has so impacted us and it still abides in us. And therefore, as Apostle Paul says it, Christ's love compels me to do this. I cannot stop but do it. So my dear brothers and sisters at Midland Free, 
If you say that Jesus loves you and that love abides in you this morning, then walk your talk. Walk your talk. Go and show that love to others by meeting their needs with your deeds and with your actions. Practical expressions of help. This morning we are introducing something new and we, are, we hope to be able to do this every week. If you go through these doors, you will find a center table there. <clears throat> just in front of the cross. We are going to call that the next steps table. And whatever that flows through comes from the sermons that we, with the worship service, the many different elements that we do here in the worship service. We are going to give you an opportunity to stop by the next steps table to get whatever information that you would want, whatever information that the Holy Spirit might be leading you to, get. And so, if you go there today, you will find the Go Local brochure that has all the information that you need if the Spirit were to move you to get involved in Go Local or the local outreach ministries. And there are several of them. There are various levels of engagement, level one, level two, level three, and all of those different kinds of engagement. Take a look at that. By the way, there's another one that I wanted to tell you about as well. If you go to the next steps table, you will find information about what is called the Operation Christmas Child. I don't know if you know this, we have done this. This is, this is through the Samaritan Purse led by Franklin Graham. And this church has participated in this for 19 to 20 years. It began with the, a child here at the church. She will be here at the next, in the next service. Cassie, Cassie Miller. She had a passion for it and she started and it has gone on for 19 to 20 years. For the past 10 years, we have become the drop-off location. If other churches are also doing this American Spurs Operation Christmas Child, they will all drop their boxes. These are Christmas boxes, Christmas gifts for people, kids in need. And for the past 10 years, we have functioned as the drop-off location. And there are our youth discipleship groups. And men and women have served to sort these things through and pack them and repack them and, and send it over. And you know, every year we lose little by little. And in over the 20, 19 to 20 years, this church, not counting other churches, this church has provided 23,000 Operation Christmas Child boxes. And therefore, this, this church has served or met the needs of 23,000 kids around the world. Do more. Because if Christ's love, if you say 
that Jesus loves me and his love abides in me, then we, in turn, would love others with practical expressions of help. May that be the case here at Midland Free this day and the days and years to come. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh Lord, these are powerful words from your apostle who, who loved you really. And I pray that you would be, you would help us to be the channels of that love to this needy world. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.